Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I am the other guy. I guess and, I will turn some lights on because I just realized how dark it is in my room. And in your soul. Uh, welcome Tuesday. to the Thursday episode of the show. Uh, if you're listening to this, it is December 2nd, which means that we are likely in an MLB lockout situation. Now, we're recording this on December 1st, which was the end of the tender deadline for MLB teams, which means basically if you wanted to have someone under contract for the 2022 season and beyond, that contract had to be tendered or offered or whatever to that player before today and accepted before today. So this is it. Every there's no there's not going to be any more moves. I don't think you could even discuss contracts with players or teams until after the CBA has been resolved. So uh, the, the the dam is sealed shut, but we got quite a few. Uh, and quite a few big contract signings happen right at the buzzer uh, between, you know, the end of Thanksgiving and today, pretty much, or really even the end of the since the last time we recorded it today, which really not a big gap. Uh, so I guess let's start with some of the more marquee ones and maybe get a little bit less interesting as we go on and we can skip around a little bit. Uh, and let's start with the Corey Seager contract because, oh boy, that was, that was Wild. So Corey Seager signed a 10 year, $325 million contract with the Texas Rangers. And boy, that's a contract. And it, and I would like to say, I would like to say when the Rangers signed Marcus Semyon, I said he's listed as a shortstop, but I could definitely see him playing second. And them still being in the hunt for Corey Seager or, you know, Carl or Trevor Story or whoever and try to find a different shortstop to be their, their guy forward and have Semyon just play second. And it looks like that's exactly what they decided to do, mm-hmm. because after they shelled out a uh, seven year, one hundred seventy five million dollar contract for Marcus Semyon, they turned right around and issued a 10 year, three hundred twenty five million dollar contract for Corey, Corey Seager. So they committed $500 million to their middle infield in back-to-back days. And man, that is a contract. That that makes so much more sense to why Corey Seager would sign with a team like the Texas Rangers. (laughs) Holy fuck. He's 27 and he signed a 10-year, $32 million AAV deal. What? Yeah. Holy yeah. Shit. Yeah. I mean, just fucking wild. And we'll obviously, you know, talk about this and how this affects the Carlos Correa eventual contract uh, in a minute. But even just looking at Corey Seager himself, this is an interesting contract. What the fuck? I I know. So Corey Seager already through his uh, his his seven seven seasons. Oh my god, it's been that yeah. long. Wow. Um, has amassed 21.3 war. So it's a, you know, a, it's about three war a season. And you might be saying to yourself, ah, oh, well, three war a season is not doesn't seem to be three hundred million dollars uh, worth of worth of war. And I, I think this is going to come down to how you judge 
player value. And we've talked about this before. We don't know how teams value players. We have war and we use it conversationally because it's easy, but we don't know how teams actually value the stats that combine to make war. And if you're looking at Corey Seager, what you're getting is a pretty okay defender, an okay to a to mediocre to slightly below mediocre defender, but you're getting a pretty good bat. Uh, Corey Seager's OPS plus by season, um, starting with 2015, 174. That was a really, that was 27 games. Uh, 134, 126, 103. That was also a 26 game season for him. 112, 150, 145. And if you're looking for shortstops that will pretty consistently get his career average OPS plus is 131. And if you're looking for shortstops that are also going to be uh, 31% better than your average MLB shortstop at hitting, well, those guys are pretty rare. And if that's the main metric that the Texas Rangers care about, in addition to the fact that Corey Seager can probably pretty likely be transitioned over to um, third base at some point in his career, then maybe it's not that bad. Maybe, maybe that, maybe that's exactly, this is exactly the guy that they wanted, but fuck, that is just wild to look at. That's so much fucking money, man. That's unreal. Who would you rather have for the next decade? Him or Fernando Tatis? Well, that's a tough question because I'm not sure Tatis (laughs) is going to be a shortstop. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, though, I, I'd much rather give up that position certainty for both the upside and cost of Fernando Tatis. I mean, you know, you're not if we're going strictly based on hitting, it's Tatis in a heartbeat. And if Tatis can find success elsewhere in the field and defense, maybe it's a net gain enough to, for him to be worth it. But as of right now, I'd call it a draw because of how not good Tatis is at defense. Tatis. I don't think that's fair to say Tatis is not bad at making defensive plays. He's really bad at staying focused throughout the entire game and not just, he commits a lot of errors. Absolutely. Just an insufferable amount of errors. He cleaned it up a hell of an amount, you know, at the second half of the season, but he makes a ton of spectacular plays and spectacular throws, but you just see so many low lights because of boy, man, who is that good at baseball shouldn't be making that many errors. And he shouldn't be, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's okay, but it's not nearly as bad of an overall defensive um, package as one would assume from that. Okay. And you know what? I, I think that's probably fair. Errors is also a, a tough metric because usually the best defenders in baseball will also be pretty high up in the errors category it, due to the fact that they make so many plays that most other players wouldn't get the chance to even attempt to make. So uh, it's, it's tough using errors. And uh, I don't really where, where Nando sits is, is weird. And it all, part of it comes down to the fact that defensive metrics very much so depend on which defensive metrics you're looking at. Uh, 
And so if you look at uh, D-War, which is Baseball References version of Defensive War, uh, they have Nando at a negative 0.2 D-War. And D-War has Corey Seager at, uh, for this past season, 0.5. So that's 0.7 production war more than Tatis. But if we were to go over to Baseball Savant, or StatCast, uh, they have Fernando Tatis Jr. at a 74, 74th percentile for outs above average, which is, which is good. It's, that's very good. Very and they good. have Corey Seager at sixth in the sixth percentile, which is awful, fucking awful. And huh. so I, once again, how, how you that's why I'm, I'm willing to call this kind of a wash, because it really depends where you're looking. And I think if, right. if it's this up and down, it, they're, they're probably relatively equal. Yeah, and it comes down to. I guess just how they reach those defensive totals. I don't know. I can't say I'd rather have a guy who makes a bunch of spectacular plays, but also makes a bunch of errors over a guy who's just out there doing what he does and not doing what he doesn't. And just, I don't know. I'm not a baseball coach. I don't fucking know. I'm not a hall of fame baseball person. It's true. I am not in the hall of fame. Quote the, uh, the great Tony LaRusso, not a hall of fame baseball person. Yeah, and then it's like so. Uh, UZR hates both. A bit of a a bit of a non sequitur. I quoted an athlete the other day, like you just quoted uh, our boy. I quoted Michael Jordan when a cashier asked if I wanted to round up. Fuck them kids! I said, okay, thanks for uh, reaching the conclusion of the story. I said, fuck them kids. Oh yeah. You want to round up the fifty three cents and make it you know thirteen dollars total and donate that total to whatever? Fuck them kids. He snorted. It was funny. Everyone also, thought. those things are scams, but that's a whole separate discussion. Correct. You are a multi-billion dollar company and you want me to donate money? You fucking prick. You want also, me to donate they, money in your name? Yeah, that's Fuck the thing. Off. They just write it off. It doesn't. Whatever. Whatever. We're not getting there. So let's get back to Corey Seager. So this, uh, I mean, it's a fascinating move for the, for the Rangers. You kind of, you have to respect it if we're being honest here. You have to respect it because go ahead. It's everything that we tell or everything we say these teams should be doing. They're a team with a rich owner who's spending insane amounts of money that they do have to make their team a contender. That's everything. We've wanted this forever. And and it's not the long drawn out losing uh, teams that we've seen from the Tigers and Marlins and Orioles and Angels and Royals and everybody. It, it They bottomed out relatively quickly and are now being like, all right, well, like we, you know, we reset our luxury tax threshold by a fuck ton. We didn't spend any money in years. Uh, here we fucking buckle the fuck up. Here we fucking go. And they're doing it in important positions and in positions that they really struggled in last season. So yeah. if we look at uh, Marcus Semyon first, Marcus Semyon, and even if we don't take his just last year's WRC plus or uh, OPS plus, uh, which was 133, even if we take the career of 110, uh, last year's second baseman for that, for the, the Texas Rangers 
Nick Solak had an 87 Ooh. OPS plus, which means that Marcus Semyon's regular season uh, 2021 OPS plus was almost 50 points higher than that. And even his career, which is lower, is still almost you know 25 points higher than that. Mm-hmm. So that's a massive upgrade at the second base position, just looking at hitting. And then likewise, if you look at uh, their longtime shortstop, Isaiah, not longtime, but but their uh, their main guide shortstop, Isaiah Kiner Falefa, uh, he had an ace 85 OPS plus there last season, whereas uh, Corey Seager last season had a 145, I mean, which yeah. is 60 points more and his career uh, OPS plus of 131 is still 45 points higher than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're two massive upgrades at those positions of need. Then you can fucking do with Solak as you fucking wish. And kind of Falefa, because he's such a brilliant defender, can just become right. your, your bench and defensive replacement guy. Right. That's I mean, that was what I was going to say. It's like, yes, you're going from a guy who's a plus plus defender to an OK defender, but you're getting what is that? Sixty five points in OPS plus, which is easy. Fucking massive. And actually, it's higher if you think about the fact that you can then replace Brock Holt at third base, likely with Isaiah Kiner Falefa. And last year, Brock Holt had an OPS plus of 61. So even getting to put in Isaiah Kiner Falefa with only 85, that's still 24 additional points of OPS plus that you're knocking, uh, that you're, you're adding into the lineup by taking out your weaker player. Right. I mean, this upgrade is huge looking at just the, the offensive side of things. And it's already, I mean, you're bringing in a guy who is now the best player on your team, regardless of how much you're upgrading that single position, bringing in a superstar caliber player, you know, a leader that's going to be in the clubhouse is fucking huge. Massive get. Yeah, it, it is. It's now the actual term of the contract, you know, we got a 27 year old shortstop who was a, a rookie of the year winner in uh, 2016 slight injury history slight not not huge uh career career wise good hitter okay defender who got 32 and a half mil per season it's that brings such, us over to Carlos Correa. Such an insane amount of money. I know. Carlos Correa, who was not signed yet, is <laughs> the same age as Corey Seager and has slightly more war than him. Uh, not, oh, sorry, not slightly. Sorry, my bad. I forgot what Corey Seager's war was. Has 13 more war than him. Yeah. Uh, in the same seven-year span. Okay. Same same seven year span. Also was a rookie of the year winner. His career OPS plus is actually slightly lower because he had a pretty rough season last year for him. It was a 93 OPS plus last season. It's hard Uh, to stop cheating. Yeah, truly abysmal. Uh, But has been a, I mean, literally just won a platinum glove this year. Yeah. A very, very good defender. Mm-hmm. And with that increased level of production, granted, right-handed bat versus left-handed bat, and there's always a slight premium on left-handed pitchers and, and, and hitters because they're, generally speaking, are fewer of them, so they are coveted a little bit more. It, it makes you wonder, though. I mean, if Seager's getting a full 10 years and over 30 mil per season to, to, uh, to boot, 
what the fuck does Correa get? Because we're talking about Seager, and off the jump, we're talking about the idea that he might end up moving to third base at some point within the next, like, five seasons. Correa, I mean, that guy's not moving from shortstop for a while. 35? Do you think he gets 35 a year? I guess I need to pull up actual numbers and go to StatCast. Like, bruh, I, I don't even know. I could not have even tell you. StatCast is not what I want. What do I want? Baseball savant. No, for contract numbers. Oh, spot track. Spot track, not StatCast. Spot track. It's now just you know amazing how fucking happy that he signed Fernando Tatis to a goddamn 14-year deal when we did. Uh, positions. Let's go to shortstop. Update. Wow, Francisco Lindor makes $34 million a year. Yeah. What's the difference between do I want total cash or payroll salaries, average salaries? Who are you looking at? Just, I'm trying to sort short stops. I don't really know what numbers I want. I guess average salary. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll take Fernando Tatis at 24 million, 10 times out of 10 for 14 years. Holy shit. He's making 1 million more per year than Javier Baez. Yeah, I'll take that 10 times out of 10. Lindor's making $34 million next year. Yeah. Get out of here. I hope he improves. Jesus. Holy shit. Yeah, and they haven't put the uh, Corey Seager figure in here yet, but they, they will. They did. 32 and a half. I don't see it on mine. Oh, Go to average salaries. That's what I did. Hmm. Regardless, uh, yeah, I it, it's yeah. going to be ungodly. It's like it's it's going to be, mm-hmm. it's going to be wild. Yeah. Oh yeah. I I actually wonder if because of the AAV being pretty high with the thirty two point five, if maybe you go more years. Like how how if you were if you were uh, Carlos Correa, how would you feel about uh, twelve years, whatever that is, three hundred seventy five million dollars? To so the AAV is relatively similar, but you get two extra seasons. Hmm. I guess yeah. Because that'd be thirty one million thirty one point two five million per year which would be a little bit lower than, than Seager. But those two extra seasons, well, one, mean that you are going to get paid for two extra seasons. Uh, and, and, and two could potentially give you a little bit more. I mean, you'd be paying Carlos Correa until he turns 39, but... You're getting him at a... What will be a manageable, manageable number for a long time. And also, you could front load it. Oh, that's one yeah. of the things that I saw about... Um, Seeger's contract it's, is it, it is that it is quite front loaded, apparently. I think he's making like the first 140 mil, like pretty, pretty quick into the contract. Let me see if the details are in spot track yet, um, which is interesting because I wonder if that means that they're they're trying to 
give room for him to potentially be traded later in the contract to uh, get better prospects back. Because that's one of the tough parts about backloaded contracts uh, like Stanton's contract. Like, yeah, you know, it means you're paying him less up front and you can try to trade him later in the contract to avoid having to pay him when theoretically he's starting to live up to that contract. But it also means that because the salary's high, you're not going to really get anything back. You're just going to do it for pure payroll dump. Whereas if you haven't been spending money recently, like the Rangers haven't, and you can afford the the majority of the dollars due up front so that in the later years, should you need to tear down and trade a star player, you can actually get good prospects back. This would be a way to do it. I mean, this, this, it would be, it would be smart, honestly. Can we see those numbers of how I, it's structured? Usually, when Spot Track will update eventually, but I don't have. We're just it. not there yet. We're not. Okay. I don't think we're there yet. All right. That would be interesting to see. I'm trying to think. I, at this point, I fully expect the Yankees to sign Carlos Correa. They're just, they have too much money. They've just been shown up in free agency, I guess, the past two years now. Uh, they're a team that won't allow that to happen consistently, at least in my mind. I don't know if Hal is choosing to play money ball at this point, but I really see the Yankees spending a lot of money to get Correa. And I'm very curious to see just exactly how high they're willing to get. It's going to be a lot. Uh, Cause you know, the bidding war is going to start. Oh, it's probably well underway. And I, I honestly think that's probably why Seager signed and Correa didn't before the lockout, because mm-hmm. I, you almost have to wonder if Seager benefits from the lockout in that, uh, teams are trying to sign who they can sign. There's a premium on time. Mm-hmm. And Corey Seager is able to just capitalize on that. Plus, the the ever-rising price of Correa's contract likely raises the price of, of Seager, whereas it's not in Correa's best interest to sign, potentially, I mean, before, this, before the lockout, because there might be some type of changes in the, uh, in the collective bargaining agreement that allow mm-hmm. for him to make more money, make mm-hmm. I don't know what, what other differences there would be other than term and 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 size but but something that makes it more uh, appealing for him to wait and I think there's something to be said about Seeger acknowledging that he's not getting the size of a contract like the contract Seeger's going to sign will not match that of Carlos Correa there's just no chance that he signs as large of a contract so this is basically hedging the idea that all right, if Correa doesn't sign a truly historic contract, I can get what's coming to me. That won't affect my deal. Because if Correa signs a, you know, the exact deal Seager just signed, you know, they offered it to both guys, Correa accepted, you know, Seager didn't. He just cost himself money because he's not going to get that same contract. Right. Whereas, you know, Correa is saying, yeah, I'd, Go ahead, Corey. Sign for whatever you want. It doesn't matter what you sign because I'm getting more. No matter what you do, I'm, I'm going to do better. Yeah, it's it's 
very much so in Correa's best interest to have Corey Seager sign first to help set the tone, provided he thinks uh, Seager gets a big fucking contract. And man, don't get me wrong. He's still Corey Seager. He's still going to get a very large contract. All right. Corwin, who has the bigger contract? In terms of overall size, Corey Seager or Giancarlo Stan? Oh, I want uh, total size, right? Because obviously Stan's contract has been going for a while, so what's yeah. left is is less. But um, I'm so three twenty total for Seager. I want to say Giancarlo's was three fifty. So it's 325 for Seeger. And Giancarlo's was also 325. Oh wow. And let's let's recall that was a record. Uh, we just spent time we just spent time talking about one. I got that wrong. We have talked about the other, got that one wrong too. I am wrong on all fronts. That's all right. And what's wild is that Giancarlo Stan's 325 contract, that was 13 years. So the wow. AAV on that is 25 mil. Wow. Yeah. Giancarlo, and people, you people had their fucking arms in the air, ranting and raving. He's too expensive. Get him off the team. And the Texas fucking Rangers are going to be driving seven and a half mil more per season to have a worse hitter on their roster. All right. Now, whose contract is bigger? Corey Seager or Bryce Harper? Corey Seager. Is that your answer? Yes. Bryce Harper. Really? Because Corey Seager and Giancarlo Stanton have the same size contract. Bryce Harper made a sticking point when he signed his contract to beat Giancarlo Stanton's contract to have the biggest contract. $330 million, So it's not much bigger. It's $5 million more, but it's bigger. So his average salary is $25.38 million. It's 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 relatively negligible over the same term over 13 years and it was wild and the reason i'm bringing this up is because it felt like such a story when that was happening i remember it be feeling like such a story when bryce hit free agency and everyone was like what the fuck's this dude gonna get is is he gonna set the record and then he did set the record and there was a whole bunch of articles about like you know, is how do you live up to this? Like, this is such a huge contract. And Corey Seager, who's not even the biggest shortstop on free in free agency this year, basically got uh, the better version of that contract. Inflation, baby. Inflation. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, we're not even batting. No one's even talking about it yet. Because if you write that article before the Correa contract, you're wasting There's, your fucking time. Yeah, it doesn't matter what you say because it's, it's your point is going to be made even stronger once he signs. For real. Think about it, dude. I asked Corbin before we started recording, did you see the Corey Seager contract? And his answer was no. And that's not because he doesn't pay any attention. It's because, first off, there was a flurry of contracts. Mm-hmm. It's easy to, to miss one. And also, it wasn't made a big deal. Yeah. He just he has like the second most expensive contract in baseball, all of baseball. that He just signed. It's the it's the, like the it's got to be one of the highest AAVs for position players ever. 
and no one fucking cares because it's not even going to be the biggest of this offseason. I mean, it just goes to show why it like granted, we're talking about sums of money that are so utterly massive that it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. But it just goes to show why you really shouldn't be signing massive long term deals because they get outdated immediately. Like A-Rod is an exception. Albert Pujols, pretty much an exception. But like Giancarlo signed, what, four years ago? And his contract's already getting dwarfed by $10 million a year? Uh, oh, my God. It wasn't Dude was coming off an MVP oh, I'm looking at season. Coming off an MVP season where he hit 50 home runs and his contract is now dwarfed. Uh, it was the 2016 season, it looks like, that he signed. No, sorry, the 2015 season where he signed that contract. Uh, well, fuck me up. What do I, so, what do I know? Seven years, that doesn't even feel real. One, no. two, three. Yeah, seven seasons. Goddamn. But no, that, like, that, that, that's the point. We're halfway through Giancarlo Stanton's contract, and we're talking about like it's not a big deal. And the mm-hmm. funny part is, every time a big contract like this gets signed, Everyone oohs and ahs and says, oh, by the end of that contract, it's going to be an albatross because the player will be bad. But the problem is with inflation and the ever increasing size of contracts, what we look at as an albatross today, very, very much so likely will not be an albatross in fucking 10 years. Think about Mm -hmm. it. We're only halfway through Giancarlo Stanton's contract in the last year of his deal, which is uh, 2028. I think that might be a, a, a player option. Club option. Uh, so let's go 2027 then. He'll be making $25 million in 2027. Like, like it, it's, it's, that's not much. No. It's, it, it really, it's not that fucking much compared to what we're what, giving like out today. The, the fifth, sixth highest paid player in the Yankees at that point? Honestly, depending on how free agency goes for the next fucking five years, might not even be that. I mean, I don't know, yeah. but it might not be. Which is fucking insanity to like, think about. Dude, we're going to finish talking about it in a second or start talking about it in a second. But Javi Baez, who's like the third to fourth sense. to fifth best shortstop available in free agency, not even in, in the game, like like third to fifth best shortstop in free agency, signed for about $25 million a season, a little bit under. But still, that's the third to fifth best shortstop in, in, in free agency. So that's not like the high water mark exactly getting paid about the same as one of the best DHs in baseball. Like that contract looks so manageable. And that's why, you know, it, it obviously benefits teams in the long run, especially if you want to end up having these things front loaded, or even if you haven't backloaded because of inflation. Um, but you know, we think about them as these massive, massive things that that really hamstring a team. That's that's just a team talking point. That's just that's just propaganda. I think it's crazy that the three biggest movers so far this year are the Detroit Tigers, Texas Rangers, and New York Mets. I know, which is good for baseball. Don't get me wrong, but it's just if you gave me. 10 guesses to name all three. Uh, uh, maybe I would have gotten the Mets, but I doubt it. Excuse me. I know. Uh, real quick, another signing that the, the Rangers made, just to shout it out. They signed starting pitcher John Gray 
to a four year, $56 million contract. That's an AAV of 14 mil. Uh, John Gray was a pretty, pretty closely watched guy for where he would sign this offseason with the starting pitching in free agency not being super great. And John Gray kind of being an up and down player in terms of his performance. He finished sixth in rookie of the year voting in his rookie season in 2016 and is still only heading into his age 30 season. So there's there's a lot of baseball in front of him. His career ERA of about 4.6 obviously doesn't look great. But when he's been on, he's he's been on. You know, he has a career low full season FIP of uh, 3.18 which went along with an ERA of 3.67. And, you know, he's shown the ability to be better. And Colorado has shown the inability to uh, form pitchers and and to, to, you know, help the pitchers succeed. So it'll be really interesting to see him go to Texas. And it also is another just, I mean, no, it's only $56 million over four years. It's not a huge contract like like the Corey Seager contract or any of the other contracts we've talked about so far. But it, it's still a very interesting sign from from Texas that they're they're trying to really do something. They probably won't be good next year, but they'll definitely be way fucking like, would you be shocked? They won 60 games last season. What what is the amount of wins you think they added with just these three signings? Uh, number three starter, maybe uh, starting shortstop, starting second baseman. How many wins do you think those three players alone are worth? Uh, what 15? were they at? 60? Yeah, I was 60. Gonna, uh, I was going to say like 70 to 80 wins. So, yeah, 15 is probably enough right there. I mean, if – oh, Jesus Christ, I can't believe I did this. Um. <laughs> I like was like realizing like I'm not holding a mic right now. How am I recording this podcast? And then I was like, right, I did the thing I always do. Um, I just I don't understand how Colorado is such a truly inept franchise, where they knew they really weren't going to be able to get a deal. They didn't trade him last off season. They, oh, John Gray. Sorry, my bad. John Gray. Yeah. They didn't trade him at the deadline. They didn't trade him at any point. Like, there was never any discussion of even moving John Gray. And now they have done nothing and received nothing in return. Didn't even offer him, really. Yeah, I mean, they seem like a fucking hot mess. Did you see that they're apparently willing to bring back? They're willing to, like, they'd fucking get the opportunity, considering trying to bring back Trevor Story? And also target Chris Bryant. You get nothing. You deserve nothing. Why would anyone like we just talked about this with the Rangers? Why would you want to side with the Rangers if you're a top free agent? Because they're dealing out a lot of money. Even if Colorado is dealing out a boatload of money, why would you want to sign there knowing that it's just going to be a waste of your time and you're only going to be mistreated? I know. And that's what I'm saying. Like, you can make signing Trevor or Marcus Simeon very well may have been in addition to the massive contract. One of the reasons that Corey Seager chose to sign with Texas, because even though the money might be colossal, a lot of players don't like playing for bad teams because then you never win. That's half the point of playing the game is to win. And what you reach a certain point of income, where it's going to not matter so much. Like if Trevor Story, not Trevor Story, sorry, Corey Seager 
got offered $300 million to play, sorry, $325 million to play for, for the Rockies or $300 million to play for who's good, the Giants. Even though it's less money and probably higher taxes to play in San Francisco, I wouldn't be surprised if he picked San Francisco. They are good. They try to be good. The Rockies are a fucking dumpster fire. They're straight up disgrace. And how much does $25 million over the course of 10 years really mean when you're making $300 million before endorsements? Right. Excuse me. Like It's a comical amount of money. Like we're talking about amounts of money that are just a joke to us because the numbers are just meaningless, utterly meaningless. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's hilarious that we can sit here and have a conceive of a player spitting on two and a half million dollars a year, since that's more than a lot of people make in their lifetime. But that's the, that's the world. That's the big wide world of sports. All right. All right. Here, let's talk about some other contracts because despite the fact that this conversation has been very good, we have spent a lot of time talking about very few players. So John Gray also signed in Texas. It's pretty cool. Uh, tell your friends. Uh, Javi Baez, as we said, signed in Detroit, which is interesting. Detroit had been rumored to be in on Carlos Correa because uh, A.J. Hinch is managing in Detroit. He was the manager of the Astros while Correa was there. They haven't signed any very expensive players, so they certainly have the money. Detroit is a large market with uh, deep pockets, so Mm -hmm. it shouldn't come as a surprise that they would have the ability to spend money as of right now. I see the Tigers as 18th in payroll with 83 mil on the books. So even if you put $40 million, which is outrageous uh, on their payroll for the season, that would still only put them at uh, 11th. And it would, it's sure it wouldn't be 40, but just saying, even if you did, they'd only be at 11th in in payroll. And that's, that's nothing crazy. It'd be $120 million uh, next season. So they could do it is my point. And instead, they went for Javi Baez. And this is kind of a weird contract for both parties uh, because $23 million per year. Uh, it's not bad. It, it's it's more than I figured the Tigers would spend. So I guess that's good. But for Javi Baez's sake. It doesn't feel like a lot of years, which might end up benefiting Javi, like four, six years from right. now. Just like what we just end- said. Right. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. I was just butting in for a single one liner oh, sure. and, and completely ruining the flow of conversation. No, not at all. No, 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 no. So like, like we were just saying before, six years from now, Javi might still be a good player and be able to get enough mm-hmm. money that the additional years not being in this contract won't make a difference or even be a net positive that he ends up taking a shorter term to be able to cash in for another contract later on down the road. Uh, But it's interesting to see a guy who's not 30 get a short, a less than seven year contract. So, and in Detroit, which is interesting, Detroit, obviously getting better. So I, I like this signing for them. Um, Javi's not a great player, but he's a really solid player. He will swing at everything, but he often is better than he is bad. Um, He's kind of a wacky dude like that. If you are remotely acquainted with baseball, 
you know that Javi Baez is raw entertainment value. Uh, he is a wacky ass hitter and usually good, sometimes bad and a rather good defender. Yeah. So those are both things that Detroit sure could use. It's the same things every team could use. Uh, if he's on your team, you think he's very underrated. If he's not on your team, and especially if he's on a rival, you think he's very overrated. Right. I think that's probably a fair way to put it. He'll be- Which, each their own. Yeah, and, and he'll be taking the spot of Nico Goodrum. Who who cares about Nico Goodrum? He had a he had an 82 OPS plus last season. His career OPS plus is 88. His career WAR in five seasons is 2.3. He earned 0.0 WAR last season. Javi Baez had a four and a half WAR last WAR season last season with a 117 OPS plus. Uh, and his career numbers are obviously a little bit lower than that. He averages. Uh, 4.4 war per season uh, through 162 games and a and uh, 104 OPS plus in, in a season average. But still, that's an improvement. And it also is not a lot of money. So you can definitely spend in other places as the seasons go on and try to improve the rest of your infield as their outfield actually looks pretty decent. Although you probably have to replace Nomar Mazzara at some point. Uh so, yeah, not not what I was expecting. I, I like didn't hear anything about Javi to Detroit until it happened. No, Javi's one of those guys where, like, when he's on, he's on. And I feel like he's always in headlines. But when he's bad, he's really bad. And he's in headlines. But I just haven't really thought of him at all until I saw this contract. Like, I know there was a lot of major shortstops on the market right now. And we are seeing that, but I truly just at no point was like, oh, I wonder where Javi Baez is going to go. He just was not on my radar whatsoever. I think I just kind of assumed he was going to go back to the Mets. Mets, Oh, I figured the Mets. I figured he would take a really team friendly deal to play with Lindor since he made such a big deal of it during the regular season to get traded there and then did. I, I kind of assumed he'd take a, a really wacky deal to stay in uh, in New York, which, I mean, w- whatever. It doesn't really matter. It's not a huge difference maker for, for the Mets. But, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, in terms of uh, other signings that I, I seemingly came out of fucking nowhere, Robbie Ray, reigning Cy Young winner from Toronto, signed a five-year, $115 million contract with Seattle. God damn right they did. With Sog City, I the Mariners. Which, oh, God damn, who saw that coming? It's, um, uh, did literally anyone? I mean, you gotta love this if you're a Seattle fan. You have oh. to be fucking, itch, you know, creaming your pants oh. about this one if you're a Seattle fan. Oh, my God, yeah. Like, Robbie Ray is not one of those guys who strikes me as a yeah, I could see Robbie Ray being, you know, a year to year, you know, Cy Young contender here on out. You know, I get guys figure it out late and he's always kind of had that, you know, strikeout ability. He's just never really been able to rein it all together. But I just again, I just don't trust Robbie Ray to go out and be a Cy Young contender year after year now. 
But man, if I'm the Mariners, that is such a good fucking deal. And that's such a fun chance to. Holy shit. How did I lose my train of thought so quickly? (laughs) You were mid-sentence, my friend. I was mid-sentence and then it was gone. Yeah, Mariners, go. Good job. Have fun. Good luck. You know what? You know what's wild? Uh, I I'm I'm doing the math right now just just to just to see, but the Mariners have like no money committed to next season. Really? How but, how little is no money? Uh, I believe after the Ray contract gets added, it'll be like after the Ray contract gets added, seventy three million dollars. If if I'm reading this correctly, which it looks like I am, uh, this is this is like no, this is it's nothing. Their next biggest contract appears to be Mitch Haniger at eight and a half million. <laughs> what? Yeah. So it it's Robbie Ray at twenty three. Mitch Haniger at eight and a half, Adam Fraser at seven and a half. Holy fuck. Like I knew they're young and in turn, they don't have a whole lot of major contracts, but holy fuck. Dude, a lot of these guys are rookie contract people. A lot of them. Wow. They have so much money to just go crazy. That's what I'm saying. And whether they do go crazy this offseason or not, I'm not sure it matters because it means that this this also puts them into play for expensive free agents on bad teams for the trade deadline, in addition to obviously being in play for next season. Like, I don't yeah. I don't necessarily know who that would be offhand, and I'm not going to look. I don't care. Uh, but every trade deadline, bad teams look to offload some big contracts, or at least it gets rumored. And uh, mm-hmm. the Mariners could be in a spot, man. The Mariners could be in the spot to fucking do that shit. Oh, I mean, absolutely. even just this, obviously last season was magic and, and, and super duper special. So it's, mm-hmm. it's tough to look at that. Like it's completely, uh, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is replicable. I'll say is the right word. Uh, do againable is what I'm getting at there. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, they had 90 wins last season. And this year, they're going to get a full season of Abraham Toro, who was slightly, who was uh, better with them than he was with Houston. So, uh, you know, take that for what it is. He was worth about one war in 60 games with them. So you're going to, that's a solid, like, three war pace right there. Uh two and a half war pace. I would expect him to get better, though. He's fucking 25. You're going to get a full season of Adam Frazier, who was a four war player last season. And an all star. Uh, And an all star. And a fourth uh, infielder. Yeah. And I mean, you know, if if you have. I'm trying to think where Abraham Toro. Oh, I guess Abraham Toro probably take over for Kyle Seager. At third, since Kyle Seager's contract probably isn't getting renewed, and Adam Frazier would take over at second. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I mean that's a, that that's pretty fucking solid. And look at the rotation; it'll probably be I guess Chris Flexen, Yusei Kikuchi, 
Marco Gonzalez, and I guess Robbie Ray will probably take over the the main spot. It might be time to say goodbye to Justice Sheffield. I don't know. But regardless, I mean, look, I'm I'm not trying to say that that the Mariners are going to win the division next season. I'm not I'm not going to say that. But what I am going to say is that the Mariners won 90 games last year. Robbie Ray was worth 70 war last season. 70? Sorry, seven war last season. And Justice Sheffield was worth negative two. So if you take out Justice Sheffield and you put in Robbie Ray, that's a 100-win team. I'm sorry, that's just the math. That's a 99-win team, sir. We're rounding up here, folks. That's oh, yeah. Team. Well, if they won 90, we might as well round up to 100 because that's how that works. No, 99. I'm rounding that up to 100. Fuck off. So uh, the Mariners are going to because, you know, the Astros only won 95 and they're losing Korea. That's minus seven war. So they're only getting like 80 something wins. So really, the, the Mariners are running away with the AL West. All right, hold on. What would be more surprising to you? The Mariners winning their division with somewhere in the 90s range of wins, like 90 to 99, mm-hmm. or the Rangers finishing second in the division with somewhere between 85, 80 and 85, 80 and 90 wins. So what do you think is more likely is basically the question. The Mariners add on one to to, to <laughs> nine more wins, or the Rangers win uh, twenty to thirty more wins. Yeah, uh, the Mariners, <laughs> and that's not a tough decision. That's what we like to hear. Most of the last time a team added thirty wins season to season, it's got to be one of those Red Sox teams, right? Sure, because they went they went worse the first. Referring. They went worse the first a few times. In the, in okay. the 2010s. Okay. Uh, you are welcome to look that up. That seems like something I don't want to do. Yeah, I know you. I I, I know you're not going to do things. So when, when I when I hear a good idea, I immediately start doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got that, uh, yeah. So in 2012, the Red Sox won 69 games. And then in 2013, they won 97. Well, that is 28 games in one season. It's close, but not quite. Sorry, you don't win. You do not pass go. You do not collect $200. In 1994, the Red Sox won 54 games. In 1995, the Red Sox won 86 games for 32 additional wins in one season. What year was that? Uh, 94 to... Oh, although 94 did get strike shortened. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I shouldn't count that. No. Any other fun, fun ones from no. you guys, Red Sox? Oh, here's one. Ah, another strike shortened. Damn it. Damn you, 81. Damn you, baseball negotiators. Yeah, I don't feel like looking around too much longer for this. I get it. Five more minutes of this, and I'm going to get upset. <laughs> That's a great Rick and Morty reference. Thank you. One of the best. What can I say? I'm a real classic. 
Uh, all right. We still have at least one more gigantic contract that's worth talking about. And it is one that really, really felt like it wasn't going to happen. It really it felt like it was a desperate attempt to be like, I, I'm, I'm quitting. I mean it. I'm going to walk right out the door. If you don't stop me, I'm going to I'm going to do it. Uh, and that was that the, the Mets signed Max Scherzer after Andy yeah. Martino tweeted out like every three hours, like, oh, they're really going to do it this time. They're really going to do it. It's, it's this close. Uh, seemingly to get someone to beat the Mets offer. And everyone was like, fucking no. And Max Scherzer was like, damn it. Fuck. I, it really does look to be a deal that's like, I can't imagine Max Scherzer actively wanted to play for the Mets in any capacity, but it's like, I would be a fucking idiot not to accept this offer. Cause that is a stupid, like, we talk about stupid money. That's stupid money. So it is three years. Not a lot of years. Max Scherzer is old. He is 37. I'm 37. I'm not old. Uh, but it is $130 million. And that makes the contracts AAV 43.3333333333 million dollars per season uh, Max Scherzer will make double per year what Kevin Gaussman's going to make from the uh, Blue Jays I mean Fernando not Fernando Tatis Francisco Lindor is the highest paid position player in all of baseball and he is making 10 million dollars a year more that's fucking stupid Starling Marte signed a very nice contract for $19.5 million a season. And that is less than half of what Max Scherzer is going to be making. We just talked about the same team. We just talked about him being a guy who should be an all-star every year. And he's not. And he's getting paid less than half of what Max Scherzer is. How, what? Uh, what? It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And the funniest part is he's fucking worth it. He's, yeah. he's fucking he is yeah, a yeah. Cy Young contender every season, every year. This man comes in and everyone says, Ah, uh, Max Scherzer is going to be cooked this year. It's finally going to be cooked. And then he fucking shoves. He had <laughs> 5.2 war last season. Yeah. Finished third in Cy Young voting. Yep. I mean, it's one of those things where. How many times have I said it's one of those things over the past two episodes? Try over the past the... run of the show. Really? Yeah. That's your phrase, yeah. man. Touche. Um, I'm trying to think of an idiom to say in place of that, and I, it's I'm struggling. Um, but I mean, we talk about these contracts and how there's always some amount of hedging included in the dollar amount in the you know monetary figure 
against a guy not performing up to expectations or up to his peak. You know, if you knew you were getting 10 win Mike Trout for certain every year, without question, you'll pay that man $50 million a year because his market value is absolutely that when he's that good. But you don't know. There's always some level of uncertainty. And Max Scherzer over the past, his entire career, has been as close to certain of a performance as you can get. When was the last time Max Scherzer had a down year? Uh, I'm looking at his stats page right now. 2011? <laughs> okay, cool. So a decade. Yeah, <laughs> you sign you sign Max Scherzer at 27 years old to a 10 year contract. What Corey Seager just signed for 35, 45 million dollars a year. That's the most outrageous contract ever signed in baseball history. And it would have worked out beautifully. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I mean, in that time, so Max Scherzer. Since 2013 has received top five in Cy Young voting every single season barring 2020. And even in that season, he had a 3.74 ERA, a 3.46 FIP. Uh, what did I say? 2017? Sorry, 2020. 2020. Uh, and his war was two in a shortened season. In a shortened season. It's stupid. He pitched 67 innings and had two war. <laughs> Fuck. It's really fucking good. Oh There's my so God. many bolded numbers on the stats page, man. It's dumb. It's dumb. It's stupid. It's funny how that, you know, you put a full season there and that's MVP numbers. Yeah, I mean, he has almost as many seasons repeating, uh, uh, receiving MVP votes as he doesn't. <laughs> he has six seasons in which he received MVP votes and eight seasons where he didn't. He's a is, pitcher. Is he pitchers Mike Trout? No, because Mike Trout got off to a hot start and not that Scherzer yeah, was Scherzer ever like pitcher. bad. He just yeah. didn't go off to a hot start. He really he really got got elite. Uh, he became he became Max Scherzer in 2013. Yeah, I do get that. But man, it's just wild to see. I mean, it's it's forty three million dollars, man. I, I mean, it's more it, it's been floating around Twitter, but that's more than the current payroll of the Pirates, the Guardians and the Orioles. Going to one guy who's worth it. Yeah, and that, that was exactly the thought that came to my mind. It's like, yeah, but still worth it. Doesn't matter. There was a weird little interaction on Twitter. I don't know if you saw, but uh, Rachel Luba, who is the manager uh, agent for Trevor Bauer, tried to take credit for this. Did you see this? No. She was like, I'm so proud of the work that Trevor and I did to make these short term high AAV contracts a thing. Uh, so happy to see this, you know, like concept strategy being employed by other ball players. like they fucking invented it. 
you know what's really fun and i am just so happy we don't have to deal with anymore just not having trevor bauer in baseball just makes all of the baseball news surrounding baseball so much better i just don't miss him whatsoever i really don't No, like life is so much talk about like there's some aspects of sports where it's fun to have a heel and it's fun to have a bad guy to root against like sure whatever but trevor bauer wasn't that guy no, the bad guy you want to root against is a guy like Max Scherzer, who's very, very angry on the field. And so that mm-hmm. portrays a heel sense. But he's also a very, very seemingly nice and good person. He's right. just very, very good. And if you're a Mets fan, I guess prior to if you're a Braves fan, you hate him. Like Bryson DeChambeau for golf is very easy to hate. He wears a funny hat. He has a weird way of approaching golf. He makes wild, crazy statements but he drives the ball 400 yards and is such a dork about golf. It's all he cares about. And he gets so giddy talking about it and promoting it and just wanting to make golf a fun time for everyone. It's like, yeah, fuck Bryson. He sucks, but I love that. He's a part of golf. That's how you have to approach it. Right. Trevor Bauer should go to prison. Fingers crossed. Uh, so there have been more contracts given out. Oh, actually, real quick. We've said for years that the Mets should be able to win their division with relative ease. We've said it for years because they've had good pitching, theoretically, forever. They brought in good hitters, theoretically, all the time. Robinson Cano, where's he suspended? Yoannis Espinus. Whatever happened to him broke both of his heels. (laughs) Like it's been it's been a comedy of 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 misfortune in Queens. And so we've reached yet another inflection point. Where they've signed a third of their lineup. And a guy who's going to either be their best starter or their second best starter, depending on Jacob DeGrom's status next season. And I got to ask it again. Is this the Mets division to lose? No. I mean, again, I don't know if I should be saying yes because of how awesome that roster is. But I still think it's the Braves until the Mets show anything sort of resembling a threat to the Braves. I don't think we can handle the mantle until they earn it. And no matter how many players they sign, look at the Padres. They should have won the World Series. They didn't even make the playoffs. So. It's. And I mean, even just look at the Mets last season. They were running away with things and then just lost at an astonishing clip until the division slipped away from them. They spent over 100 days, like a third of a calendar year on top of their division, a third of a, of a calendar year in which a season is only half uh, yeah. and still managed to, to finish what third in their division last year. Yeah. yeah. Third with eight games under 500. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. So theoretically, how many wins do you think the Mets added between signing Eduardo Escobar, Mark Hanna, uh, Starling Marte and, uh, Max Scherzer. How many wins 
net wins do you think that is? I could say see that being a 10 to 15 win difference. Because if we give it to him at 15, that puts him at a 92 wins. Yeah. Which honestly feels low for how many people are on this roster. I think it's also has to be, you know, holy shit. Is Fernando Francisco Lindor going to play baseball at 90% of what he's capable of? 80%? They got 80% of Francisco Lindor. I had to think about it that time. That's already a major improvement over what they got last year. Pete Alonso had a down year last year. So many players on the Mets just had awful seasons. I think this could be a team that approaches 100 wins. But it's the match, so I don't expect them to do that. It should be a 100-win team easily. Jacob DeGrom, Max Scherzer, Pete Alonso, Francisco Lindor, Starling Marte. It's a star-studded team. They got depth. They've got pitching. They've got a pretty good rotation or a pretty good bullpen. I don't know. I I don't know either. Uh, Low I, I, no one ever knows who the Mets are. For years, yeah. the story of the Mets was that they could pitch, but they couldn't hit. And when they could hit, they could never hit in City Field. And then last season, they're finally able to do some hitting in City Field. And their pitching just like fucks them. And the, 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 the team just just shits the bed colossally. And I who the fuck knows? Who the fuck knows? Yeah. Are the Braves going to get better? Because theoretically, you'd think the Braves are in a pretty good spot to get better. They didn't have Ronald Acuna Jr. for like half a season last year. Yeah, for most of the season. I think it was more than half. I think you're right. It was pre-all. I think it was pre-all starter. He had that injury. And, you know, like, like they can be active in free. They haven't done anything yet, but they certainly could. I, I mean, you know, they, they have the capability to do so. I'd imagine that after you win a World Series, you'd like to defend it. So, uh, you One know. One would assume. Also, the Phillies are still the Phillies. They they they're still a team with really good pieces on it that could improve a lot if they chose to. They still they're have not, the reigning MVP. Yeah, they do. And and you know, it, the Atlanta team, eleventh in payroll right now with one hundred sixteen million. So much room to go up. You have to absolutely assume Freddie Freeman's coming back with that little payroll committed on the books right now. Phillies are currently sixth in payroll with $162 million committed so far, which is $60 million less than the Mets right now. So depending on where the Phillies feel like they are too, they could also be a lot more active in free agency and, and, and make some interesting signings. But, mm-hmm. and that's part of what makes it tough to look at the Mets and be like, Oh, you got this because they've never easily had this. Like it's never been a, ah, yes, the Mets. Like everyone this year, ah, oh, the White Sox got this and they did. It wasn't like super great, but I mean, everyone knew they were going to get it. And then they they did. Then they won the division exactly Mm -hmm. like they would plan on it, barely without trying very hard. Uh, And that's kind of what it feels like the Mets should be able to do with how much better their roster looks like one to one with everybody else's. But it's the Mets that it never happens like that. So we'll see. I have so little hope. Oh, yeah. Oh, ye of little hope. That's me right mm-hmm. right here. Handheld high. I had the lowest expectations and I'm still disappointed. Thanks, Dewey. 
Thanks. Uh, all right, I think let's end this shit. We've been on here forever. Yeah, Actually, again, there have been holy shit. Yes, we have. Yeah. Wow. There have been other contract signings. There's been a whole bunch of other contract signings. We're not getting all the other fucking contract signings. There's too many contracts that have been signed. Uh, if we and plus, discussed we have... every contract that gets signed, we would never talk about anything else. And, uh, so and depending on how these negotiations go, we might have plenty of time to talk about every contract that's been signed in the past 48 hours because uh, chances are there's not going to be too much news. Uh, there is a, a story that got broken by um, uh, uh, Bradford Davis. Of, I think he wrote this for Business Insider about MLB using two different baseballs over the course of the season, depending on the mm, matchup. I did so see that, yeah. uh, we will get into that probably next episode at the earliest. Uh, we'll have to see um, just based on time. Uh, but Imagine that, Rob Manfred going to prison for racketeering charges. Ugh. And that's part Ugh. of the things we talked about for a while is like, what are the greater implications of sports betting? Because now if you admit or there is, uh, verifiable fact that you altered the playing conditions of a game on purpose. What does that mean for the people who bet on those games? Like you can go and ahead it, and say that like, no one cares about, uh, I think their example was like uh, Mariners Royals or some shit. But the problem is I bet a fuck ton of people bet on those games and did yeah. care because they bet on those games. And like you mm-hmm. fucked with the conditions on purpose for fun. And when it comes down to it, you know, oh god, I just forgot my fucking point again. Shall I wrap it up? Yeah. So we'll get into that more later. Stay tuned. It doesn't matter if they legalize gambling. It matters that the league partnered with them. Yes. There we go. Closing on a high note. So if you'd like to follow the show in the meantime, you can do so at Juice and Pod. You'd like to send, uh, you'd like to follow Corbin on Twitter. You can do so at Corbin Heller. If you'd like to follow myself on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. If you'd like to send emails to the show, you can do so at juicingthenumbers at gmail.com. And until Monday, y'all have a good one. Bye.